every decision they make can have an effect on our lives. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. I never told anybody to lie, not a single time, never. Today, our fellow citizens, our way of life, our very freedom came under attack. America's not the same as it was 100 years ago. The violent mayhem we have seen in the streets and cities that are run by liberal Democrats. This is Our Lives in Politics with your host Booker and co-host Lou Basada. Maybe you sense and see a lot of the things I do, especially when it comes to division and infighting within the conservative side of American politics. I'm seeing way too much of it, and, and I start to question why it exists. Differences are understandable. We all have them. Maybe I'm wrong in my assessment. Maybe the country isn't in peril. Maybe freedom and liberty aren't hanging in the balance. Maybe everything that we have seen and are witnessing is what the majority of this republic want. And maybe I'm just out of touch. Maybe. But maybe we're being further divided into smaller and smaller unproductive factions and becoming smaller and smaller voices. It could be by design somehow and somewhere. We've seen the coordination of everything that they do on the other side to have successful operations. Even our government does that. It's a win at all costs for them because they have too much to lose. They have the power over the people. I'm going to get into that on this hour. Later on, stick around for that. I'm Booker Scott, and thanks for joining me on America Out Loud Talk Radio or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I appreciate you being here and supporting this effort. Last week, we brought you some real truth surrounding the operation of the Democrats that they employed only one week after the 2016 presidential election. That episode became the most listened to Our Lives in Politics podcast ever in only 24 hours. So thanks for listening to that, and I really appreciate all the comments that I have had on Twitter. That episode is called Another Dirty Democrat Trick Exposed. You can find it on AmericaOutloud.com. Just look for Booker Scott underneath our team, and you'll find that all the previous shows are there and they are archived. You can also go to unifiedoneamerica.com and find it there as well. That's unifiedoneamerica.com. On this hour, I'm going to get into the 2020 election and some coordination that took place by many in the cyber world. Their connections to World Economic Forum are going to be exposed in this hour. And also how they make an attempt to impact elections all around the world. It's not just here in America. I'll also get into some hearings that took place in the 118th Congress with FBI Director Chris Wray, which will lead into some January 6th revelations and updates. I haven't done anything about the cocaine at the White House, but we'll do some of that also this hour. So we have a jam-packed hour for you, so let's get this thing going. We've had several shows on the, quote, insurrection, unquote, on January 6th, 2021 at the U.S. Capitol. I believe Julie Kelly is the best source for reporting on January 6th, and she's been here. She's done a program with us. Criminal defense attorney Joseph McBride joined us also. So we have given some exposure to January 6th. Over 1,000 people have been arrested for involvement. You guys know all of those stories. Here's an audio clip from a voice in the crowd on a night 
The night was January 5th, 2021, in Washington, D.C. I don't even like to say it because I'll be arrested. Well, let's not say it. We need, we need to go, I'll say it. All right. We need to go in to the Capitol. That is the type of thing the Democrats and the FBI have been trying to address and warn us about for over two years. Did you hear what the man said? We need to go in to the Capitol tomorrow. I'm going to play it again for you. I don't even like to say it because I'll be arrested. Well, let's not say it. We need, we need to go, I'll say it. All right. We need to go in to the Capitol. It sounds like he's there recruiting for the insurrection the next day. At the very least, he's planting the seed and trying to incite people. The next day, the same man and the same voice was in the D.C. streets again. But this time, he was directing people on how to get to the Capitol. are going to the Capitol. It's that way. Spread the word. And finally, that same man is standing at the barricade at the Capitol. On a video, you can see this man speak to another man just seconds before that man busts through the Capitol barricade and heads to the U.S. Capitol. Following him is the man that had been in the streets on January 5th and 6th. The man on the audio you just heard is Ray Epps. He was on the FBI wanted list after January 6th. In fact, he was the number 16 man on that list, but he soon fell off of it. He disappeared. The name of Ray Epps has become a household name in some circles and the basis for many to not trust anything the government has done with respect to January 6th. When the Democrats staged their primetime production last year, which nobody watched, by the way, Ray Epps' name wasn't mentioned, and when questioned by Republicans and Democrats, the FBI claim they don't know a thing about Ray Epps. They won't comment. Tucker Carlson has made Ray Epps a key figure in discrediting everything January 6th, and there's good reason for it. Most of you have seen that video. You just heard the audio. There's no doubt hundreds have been arrested for much, much less. Brandon Straka is an example of that. Straka is the founder of Walk Away Movement, which is an organization for Democrats that have walked away from the Democratic Party. He was only standing outside at the Capitol, and he yelled, go, go, go. And for that, he was arrested and charged. Ray Epps did much more. You heard it. But when asked about him, no one seems to know who this guy is. He wasn't hard for me to find. You know, I called Ray Epps on his cell phone about two years ago. He didn't answer. I left a message. He never called me back. I tried him again, and his number had been changed. So if I could find him that easily, I'm pretty sure the FBI and the Dems could have done it. But they didn't want to. Epps is now suing Fox News, which they'll settle for millions, I'm sure. In the court filing against Fox News Corporation, Epps' attorney says this. In May of 2023, the Department of Justice notified Epps that it would seek to charge him criminally for the events on January 6, 2021. Two and a half years later, the relentless attacks by Fox and Tucker Carlson and the resulting political pressure likely resulted in criminal charges. Now wait. Wait just a minute. Over 1,000 Americans have been arrested for far less than what Epps did. But now it's Fox News and Tucker Carlson's fault. Wrong. 
he's as guilty or as innocent as everyone else, or he was a paid instigator or federal agent sent to cause the problem. If he is or isn't, charges two years ago would have prevented a lot of thought process surrounding Mr. Epps. The Department of Justice and the FBI, they are a complete joke. Congressman Nell questions FBI Director Chris Ray on Ray Epps. Mr. Ray, you have arrested hundreds of people related to January 6th. And there have been people arrested for breaching Capitol grounds. Cooey Griffin is an example. Rachel Genko is an example. And then we go to Mr. Brandon Strecka. Brandon was arrested for disorderly and disruptive conduct, which included yelling, I quote, go, 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 as rioters tried to empty the Capitol. These three never went into the Capitol. They never assaulted anyone. So let's be honest with each other. There is very little difference between the actions of Ray Epps and Brandon Stricka that day, but yet Stricka was arrested and Epps wasn't. Epps also testified to the January 6th committee. He was back at his hotel when video evidence showed that he wasn't. He lied. He was on the Capitol grounds just as Brandon Stricka was. Epps even texted his nephew at 2.12 p.m. and said, I quote, I was in the front with a few others. It was on the video. I also orchestrated it. Now look into the camera, sir, when you answer my next question. Are you going to arrest Mr. Epps? Yes or no? I'm not going to engage here in a discussion about individual people who are okay, or are not going to be prosecuted. Can I get a commitment? You just watch the video. I'm an old law dog. I understand a little bit about probable cause. He did very little. There was very little difference what he did. And Mr. Strecker, you can see him. He's encouraging. I almost think he's inciting a riot. He's encouraging people the night prior to go into the Capitol the day of go into the Capitol. And he was at the first breach and he breached the restricted area. Everybody, a lot of people getting arrested for not going into the Capitol, but the restricted area. But yeah, Ray Epps, who many people feel fed, 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 right? And there's a lot of cloud over this. So I, I, my point is this. You arrested a lot of folks for unlawful activity. You just saw the video. And I will tell I you, order, Mr. Ray, Mr. Uh, if you don't Chair. arrest Mr. Epps, the there's a reason behind it. I believe you know Point what it is. And it appears to me you are protecting this guy. I strongly recommend you get your house back in order. With that, I yield back. Before we bounce from this part of the hearing that had so much to do with January 6th, that so-called insurrection, in a yet-to-be-released interview by Tucker Carlson, he interviews Capitol Police Department Chief Sund. Sund confirms in that interview there were undercover federal agents at the Capitol on January 6th. Congressman Andy Biggs. Please don't, don't distract here because we're focusing on the, those who were there in an undercover capacity on January 6th. How many were there? Uh, again, I, I'm not sure that I can give you that number as I sit here. I'm not sure there were undercover agents uh, on scene. You, I find that kind of a remarkable statement, Director. At this point, you don't know whether there were un undercover federal agents, FBI agents, in the crowd or in the Capitol on January 6th. I, I say that because I want to be very careful. There have been a number of court filings related to some of these topics, and I want to make sure that I stick with him what's in... My I, I understand that, but I, I just... I thought I heard you say you didn't know whether there were FBI agents or informants or human sources in the Capitol or in the vicinity on January 6th. Did I misunderstand you? I thought that's what you said. Well, I referred very specifically to undercover agents. Yeah. And so are you acknowledging then there were undercover agents? I, I, 
As I sit here right now, I do not believe there were undercover agents uh, on scene. Either Chris Ray is lying, playing dumb, or has no clue what is going on in the FBI. Maybe that's why 63% of us have no faith in them in anything. As you hear the sworn testimony of Chris Ray, you may want to think about everything the FBI has done over the last seven years. Go all the way back to how Comey handled Hillary Clinton's emails prior to the election in 2016. They had an investigation, then they concluded the investigation, then they found 10,000 more emails and reopened the investigation. If Hillary Clinton had won the 16 election, the first person that would have been fired would have been James Comey. I'm not sure that it matters who is in charge of the FBI, though. Congressman Wesley Hunt, a veteran, says 37% of Americans, that's about in line with Joe Biden's approval rating, have a favorable, that's a favorable view of the FBI. Makes sense when you consider both Biden and Chris Ray are trying to put Trump in prison before he gets back in the White House. Here's Congressman Hunt. Assuming President Trump was in possession of said classified documents, would those documents be more secure, surrounded by Secret Service at Mar-a-Lago or in a box in a garage behind your Corvette? No, the answer to that question. Question for you, sir. What can you tell us about the status of the FBI's investigation of President Biden's classified documents found next to his Corvette in Delaware and those found at the Penn Biden Center? Do we have an update on that, sir? What I can tell you is that there is an ongoing special counsel investigation led by Mr. Robert Herr, uh, and we have FBI agents uh, affiliated with it, working on it, working very actively and aggressively with him on that case. Um, I obviously disagree with your description of the two standards. In my view, we... At least under my watch, we have one standard, okay. uh, and that is we're going to pursue the facts wherever they lead, no matter who likes it. And I add that last part because especially in sensitive investigations, mm -hmm. almost by definition, somebody's not going to like it. So I understand, and that's actually why I live with the sentiment of the American people. I understand that, and, that, that's your so, sentiment. So Let me, I, I do want to finish this. So, so I want everybody to talk about this dichotomy that we have seen. I, I, I get your point, sir, but that's just not what we see as the public, as we the people. We see... One case being fast-tracked and one case being slow-walked. We see one president's home being raided, the other president's home being kindly searched. You have one government agency, the Secret Service, protecting the former president and his home, and another government agency, the FBI, raiding the same home. Now, to me, sir, that's tragically ironic. And we expect more from a functional constitutional republic, and these things shouldn't be happening. That's Congressman Wesley Hunt. You know, I've done shows in the past on the Biden crime family and also that Burisma-Ukraine connection. We all know about that now. And if not, just hang on because probably another whistleblower is going to come out from somewhere this week and we'll get some more information. Congressman Tom Tiffany of Wisconsin decided to ask Christopher Ray some questions about this while Ray was under oath. Did Joe Biden take pay, uh, payments from Burisma or any other foreign companies as vice president, president, or private citizen Biden? Uh, as you may know, there is an ongoing investigation being led by the U.S. attorney in Delaware, Mr. Weiss, appointed uh, by President Trump in the last administration. 
that our Baltimore field office is working with, and I would refer you to, to him as to what, if anything, can be shared. So the president is under, um, he is under um, investigation. I'm not going to confirm or speak to who is or isn't under investigation for what. I'm simply going so to tell So he's not you, under investigation? I didn't say that either. Uh, by longstanding department policy and practice, I'm not going to be confirming or denying. Wait just a minute. Just hang on. Did Ray just admit something? If Biden isn't under investigation, answer the question. But he can't because Hunter Biden is still under investigation in Delaware. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago when Hunter Biden's charges came out and everybody was frustrated about the slap on the wrist that no one anywhere has said that that investigation is over. Listen again to what Christopher Ray said. As you may know, there is an ongoing investigation being led by the U.S. Attorney in Delaware, Mr. Weiss, appointed by President Trump in the last administration. Several weeks ago on this program, I featured a line of questioning in a hearing about Bank of America where they shared debit and credit card information with the Federal Bureau of Investigation. The information shared was purchases between certain dates, and then they layered on top of that gun purchases. Most of the time in these hearings, the people asking the questions, they already know the answers. They're just trying to see what the witness will say and hear what their answer is. Here is Jim Jordan. Did the FBI ask financial institutions to turn over their customers' debit and credit card purchase history in the Washington, D.C. area for January 5th and 6th, 2021? Uh, I don't know the answer to that as I sit here right now. Well, we do, because Bank of America gave us this email from the FBI to Bank of America. Well, I am aware that Bank of America provided information to the FBI, but what communications occurred between the FBI and Bank of America about it? Let's read it. To recap our morning call, are you? we are prepared to action the following threshold. Customers transacting debit card, credit card, Washington, D.C. purchases between 1521-1621. That's scary enough. But then the next bullet point's even more scary. Any, any historical, capital letters, all capitals, any historical purchase of a firearm. You guys asked financial, it's at least Bank of America. We think more. Did you guys ask them? Again, I don't have the full sequence of the back and forth. You've got one, looks like you've got one email that I haven't seen before here. Um, so I don't know that I have the full exchange that this. Well, does this email trouble of- you as much as it does members of the Judiciary Committee? That the FBI is asking for every single, I mean, we had members of Congress here that week, first time they're getting sworn in as a new member of Congress, their family in town, and you're sweeping, and they may happen to be a customer of Bank of America, and you're sweeping up every debit and credit card purchase of their family who were in town that week because their, their husband or their dad or their mom is getting sworn in as a new member of Congress? And then you're also saying, overlaying that information with, did you, did this person buy a firearm? And the question is... I'm just nervous about that. Are you nervous about that? As, as I think I've testified before, my understanding is that our engagement with Bank of America uh, was fully lawful, but that we recalled the leads that were cut to field. Well, if it's off. lawful, that's, that was my next point. If it's yeah. lawful, why did you say we're not going to use these leads? That's what Mr. Jensen testified to when we deposed him, the director of the terrorism unit at, at, at the FBI. That's what he testified to. Why did, you, why did you not use the leads if it was lawful to get the information? Well, there are Chairman, it's one minute and 18 seconds over time. And there was a lot more about the FBI working with banks. That's plural. Who are you banking with? It wasn't just Bank of America. Here is Thomas Massey. 
George Hill, former FBI supervisory intelligence analyst in the Boston field office, told us that the Bank of America, uh, with no legal process, was, uh, gave to the FBI gun purchase records uh, with, with no geographical boundaries for anybody that was a Bank of America customer. Is that true? Well, what I do know is that the, uh, a number of business community partners all the time, uh, including financial institutions, share information with us about possible criminal activity. And my did, understanding is that that's fully lawful. In the did specific, you, did you in the ask specific for that information? Instance, in the specific instance that you're asking about, my understanding is that that information was shared with field offices for information only, but then recalled to avoid even the appearance uh, of any kind of overreach. But my understanding is that that's a fully lawful process. We, was there a warrant involved? A again, my understanding is that the institution in question shared information with us, as happens all the time. Did you request the information? I can't speak to the specifics. Okay, well, we've got an email where it says the FBI did give the search queries to Bank of America, and Bank of America responded to the FBI and gave over this information without a search warrant. Do you believe there's any limitation on your ability to obtain gun purchase data or purchase information from people that, for people who aren't suspects from banks without a warrant? Well, now you're, now you're asking a legal question, which I would prefer to defer to the lawyers, uh, since I'm not practicing as one right now, including the department. But what I will tell you is that my understanding is that the process by which we receive information from business community partners across a wide variety of industries, including financial institutions, sharing information with us about possible criminal activity is something that is fully lawful uh, under current uh, federal law. What exactly does Chris Ray know? It doesn't seem like he can answer much. At the end of this year, 2023, the FISA 702 will sunset. And that means it's going to be done. It's going to be over. There have been so many liberties taken by the FBI to spy on Americans, and the FISA court itself has been the renegade West trampling on Americans' rights. And as quickly and simply as I can, I'm going to tell you exactly what a FISA 702 is. First, it's a key provision of the FISA Amendments Act of 2008, and it permits the government to conduct targeted surveillance of foreign persons located outside the United States with the compelled assistance of electronic communication service providers to acquire foreign intelligence information. The government uses the information collected under Section 702 to protect the United States and its allies from hostile foreign adversaries, including terrorists, proliferators, and spies, and to inform cybersecurity efforts. That is what the government tells us 702 is. It's what they use to spy on Trump's campaign, specifically Carter Page. Congressman Dan Bishop says the FBI tramples on Americans' rights every day. It ignores Supreme Court jurisprudence and the Constitution. Congress funds the FBI, and it's far past time for us to act. We're, we're waiting on this, Dan Bishop. Maybe get McCarthy off his butt and get him to do something. You keep having hearings, and you keep talking, and you keep tweeting, but you're not doing anything. Bishop went on to say, Americans want to know when the FBI will face accountability. Here's Dan Bishop. Why would you walk that fine a line with respect to Americans' fundamental constitutional rights at scale 
especially with knowledge of past abuses by the FBI like COINTELPRO. You said earlier that the FBI wasn't even concerned about disinformation per se, but the foreign origins of the information. Assuming so, how does that comport with Lamont versus Postmaster General? Well, I'm not going to try to engage on uh, Supreme Court jurisprudence, but what I can tell you is that the— Well, well I mean, that's, that's the point, though, Director no, Ray. And, I'm, and, I'm, and let me just ask you, do you know about that case? Do you know that case? I've heard of the case. All right. right in the heart of the Cold War, at, at the behest of an American plaintiff, a communist, by the way, <clears throat> Supreme Court said that Americans have a First Amendment right of access to information, even— if it is propaganda originating abroad. And in that case, the United States Postal Service could not interdict it. Do you know that, in essence? Uh, again, I'm not familiar with the, the holding of the case. I'd have to review it to be sure that that's that, a correct. That, that seems to me the trouble. I keep wondering as I read all these revelations how that could be. That, or, or then, let me go to this. You know uh, that the FBI engaged with the social media companies continuously warning them of hack and leak, op leak operations in 2020. Not 2018, by the way, but before the 2020 election. Lots of warnings about hack and leak. You're aware of that? I'm aware that we gave them lots of information about intelligence that we were receiving from some of at, our intelligence. At the time you were giving them those warnings, the FBI had had the Hunter Biden laptop for more than nine months. <clears throat> and, uh, but, of course, COINTELPRO itself was the mother of all hack and leak, leak operations. Active leftist activists at the time broke into the FBI's headquarters uh, office in Media, Pennsylvania, stole the files, gave them to the media, and newspapers published them. And you're you're bound to be aware of New York Times Company versus the United States, the Pentagon Papers case. Yes, and that says that it, even if information has been stolen or or inappropriately taken, that you can't get a prior restraint restraint in almost any circumstance to prevent their being distributed. So how how is it? that your foreign influence task force is out warning of hack and leak operations to innocent, not involved in the hack, that would be criminal, but news or social media organizations where information may be circulated. Well, first off, we're not engaging in any prior restraint. Second, second. Wow. Second, well, let me, if I could finish, please. Second, there's no serious dispute that foreign adversaries have and continue to attempt to interfere in our elections and that they use social media to do it. President Trump himself in 2018 declared a national emergency to that very effect. And the Senate Intelligence Committee in a bipartisan, overwhelmingly bipartisan way, by the way, not only found the same thing, but called for more information sharing director, between us and the social media. I, I hear you, but it doesn't justify trampling the established First Amendment rights of Americans as the Supreme Court has declared them. Whether or not, frankly, I agree with them or you agree with them. And I just don't, that's what I don't get. You come here and, and, the, and the comments are sort of blase answers. Accountability is always down the road. We never, never arrives. And I, I'm not trying, I guess I'm joining the gang up, but what I'm concerned about, and I think Americans are concerned about, is they just never see it I don't know of an answer other than to take an appropriation from you that's very significant or to do something to take your intel powers away and put them in another agency. The Department of Justice Inspector General is Michael Horowitz. You probably remember him. He came out with a scathing report years ago about FISA abuses. He found that over one million FISA queries were conducted illegally. That was illegally under FBI Director Ray's watch. Let me, let me say that again for you so that you understand. For those of you in the back of the room, 
I'm going to say it again. The investigation found over 1 million illegal queries by the FBI. Here's Matt Gates. How many illegal FISA queries have occurred under your leadership of the FBI? Well, there are reports that have come out with different numbers about uh, compliance incidents. More than a million illegal ones? Because that's what the inspector general said. The inspector general said that in the 3.4 million of these queries, more than a million were in error. Do you have any basis to disagree with that, that assessment by the inspector general? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure, actually, that's a, com- a correct characterization of the inspector general's findings uh, on that. Oh, well, well that, the Internet but, will remind you of I, that in moments. Of course, Matt Gates there just reminded Christopher Ray the Internet was going to remind him of that. Matt Gates earlier in a different hearing questioned Michael Horowitz, the inspector general, about that. And the inspector general said there was one million of those queries. So South Dakota Congressman Hageman, she is the replacement for Liz Cheney. They upgraded so much when they elected her in the 22 midterm. Good job. Good job coming up with with this great replacement for Liz Cheney. She gets into some questioning specifically about Missouri versus Biden and the injunction that was put on social media and the federal government agencies that were trying to silence and censor Americans. Prior to the preliminary injunction, were these weekly meetings taking place? I don't know if weekly meetings uh, occurred, again, before the injunction, but certainly we've been... We've been very open about this, engaged with does, social does media. The, does the FBI intend to continue to have such meetings leading up to the 2024 election to police election-related speech? Well, we're not going to be policing election-related That's, what you, be, that's what you previously did. Uh, that's not, I do not agree with that description. Okay, well, here's what I would say. This committee has learned that the FBI acted to, quote, discredit leaked information about Hunter Biden before and after it was published, that, quote, Twitter's contact with the FBI was constant and pervasive and as if it were a subsidiary, and that, quote, a surprisingly high number of requests by the FBI for Twitter to take down on action, take action on election misinformation, even involving joke tweets from low follower accounts. Are you aware that that has been reported? I am aware of some of what the committee has found in its report, okay. but I, I will add that I'm not sure I agree with the findings. But that's what we report. found. Uh, Director Way, you and I both know that the federal government is forbidden from doing indirectly what it cannot do directly. In other words, neither you nor the FBI have any legal authority to circumvent the First Amendment by using a surrogate to do your dirty work. Yet that is exactly what you have been doing. The Bureau, under your watch, has been using proxies to violate the First Amendment. Were you the person who gave the orders to use these social media companies to violate the First Amendment, violate Americans' First Amendment rights? Again, I don't agree with your description of our engagement with so social who, media companies. So, so who made the decision to use social media companies as a proxy to suppress the First Amendment rights of American citizens? Because I don't believe that's what we did. I'm not sure there's anyone that would have made such a decision. Do you really expect the American public to believe that you were not involved in the decisions related to using social media companies to suppress the First Amendment rights of, of, of American citizens? I, I can't help what people will believe or not. I can only speak to what the facts are. <laughs> he, he just spent, I just spent 30 minutes showing you Christopher Ray testifying under oath, not being able to answer anything. And now he expects us to believe that. Come on. 
it is time to really start asking some serious questions about FBI Director Christopher Wray. You know, one last thing on this Christopher Wray hearing that took place this week on Capitol Hill, and that was a tweet that Rand Paul put out. I'm going to read this to you because I think it sums up exactly what you just heard. After today's ridiculous performance in the House by Ray, I'm just going to leave this here. Flashback. Rand Paul was the only Republican who opposed confirming Christopher Ray as FBI director. Based politics. That's Rand Paul. We have a whole lot more to talk about coming up in the second half of this hour. A little bit over. We're going to try to get it all in for you. We're going to get into the cybersecurity stuff in the election of 2020. And we're also going to get into the cocaine in the White House. And we'll talk about some unity and division and infighting at the very end of the program. Stay right here with us on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution, Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Did you know that doctors and nurses have been swabbing their noses with povidone iodine to protect from airborne threats like colds, flus, and pandemic era strains for decades? Cofix RX took that idea and made a more complete nasal formula with lasting cleansing effects. Maybe you're traveling soon or going to an event. Are you concerned somebody nearby might be sick? Maybe the office or classroom stresses you out. Get yourself a bottle of Cofix RX nasal solution. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix RX nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code out loud at cofixrx.com. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years. Brush, floss, repeat. We're told to use fluoride, which doesn't really address the acid-creating bacteria. That is where the dentist-recommended Spry Dental Defense System shines. Spry products contain xylitol, a natural sugar, which helps get rid of those nasty, smelly, acid-creating bacteria in our mouth. The best way to care for your teeth and gums is by using Spry. The Spry Dental Defense System has a wide variety of products, toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and chewing gums that are designed to work together to keep your teeth clean and mouth healthy and smelling sweet all day long. To get your oral care back on track in an easy, effective, and very tasty way, switch to Spry today. Ask your dentist about Xylitol and the Spry products. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural product retailers. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the wellness company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. 
Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus, concentrate longer, and strengthen recall. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. America Out Loud beats to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, you're troubled, confused, glad, and thankful. Well, we know you because we are you. AmericaOutloud.com. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio, liberty and justice for all. And welcome back here to Our Lives in Politics on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I'm Booker Scott. Thanks a lot for joining us. And as you heard there in the first half of this hour, Christopher Wray was under scrutiny in the 118th Congress hearing in front of the Judiciary Committee. And there was one thing that I did leave out, and I want to go ahead and clean this up right now because the FBI did tweet out a tweet with some information. And I want to pass this on to you because this is what they get from that hearing and what they want to pass along to you. And this is from Christopher Ray. This notion that somehow the violence at the Capitol on January 6th was part of some operation orchestrated by the FBI sources and agents is ludicrous and is a disservice to our brave, hardworking, dedicated men and women. FBI Director Christopher Ray. I can tell a funny story on myself from a long time ago. Afraid to say how long it was, but way back, I played a, uh, way back, way back, I did a show called Classic Cafe on a radio station, and I happened to get a request for that song, Cocaine by Eric Clapton, and I put the album, This that's how long it was, I put the album on the turntable, started the song for the request, And before I knew it, the owner's wife, the owner of the radio station's wife, was in the studio with me, taking the album off the turntable while it was on the air. And she uh, took her pen, a big pen, and scratched out the, the whole song, Cocaine, off that album. And looked at me and said, we don't play that kind of music on our radio station. And it's interesting to me now that we go from a time where we wouldn't play that on the radio station to where we would have that in the White House. And I've stayed away from this. As as this story started to break a couple of weeks ago, when it first broke, there was a hazmat team at the White House because a white powdery substance had been found. What, anthrax? Well, we know Hunter Biden has been there. We know Hunter Biden's past. That is no secret. As a matter of fact... I want to play for you right now a phone call of Hunter Biden with his sister-in-law, 
that would be Bo Biden's wife, he passed away, and then there was a relationship between Hunter Biden and Haley. Here's a phone call with Hunter Biden needing money, needing points from a credit card so that he could convert it somehow to get drugs. Listen to this. That's good. Baby, I know. I know. All you got to do is, baby, you can give me a points gift card. The points are mine, honey. Just the points. I don't care. You can give me a gift card, honey. No. And you won't have to, honey, why? The no. points are mine. I will make the reservation. Honey, I love you. Can't you just give me the points? No. It's if so important to, to me to, it, why? do it. Why? Because. But it doesn't make it sense. That's, that's it's literally it. stealing from that's me. It. But it's stealing Goodbye. from me. Hallie, it's stealing that's from right. me. No, it's not sorry. Uh, Please, honey, I'm begging you. Okay, no, I don't care. You're being I an asshole. I want to get out of here. No, I'm not being an asshole. I promise you. I love you. Please give me the points And again, that's Hunter Biden. And Haley Biden, you're hearing there, in the middle of their relationship, trying to get cocaine, trying to get the drug that that he needed. It's no secret that that audio there that you just heard came from the Hunter Biden laptop. So it's it's no secret that Hunter Biden needs cocaine. It's been a problem. It's been a habit for a long time. So, as I said, when when this story broke, as I watched it. I, I didn't I didn't get all bent out of shape about it. So many people have gotten bent out of shape. And then I noticed that the mainstream media all of a sudden is starting to report on this matter, which was unusual. It's like they started with the hazmat and they had already said something was there and then they just had to go with it. The cocaine went from here to there to there. And now, as of Thursday morning, the Secret Service called a meeting inside a skiff so that they could present what it was that they found to Congress. So is, is it over? I don't know. There is some speculation that possibly the FBI could have a part in this investigation again. There was a former FBI agent on with Jesse Waters the other night. His name is Stuart Kaplan, and he really made some great, great points. Here's Stuart Kaplan from Jesse Waters. The Uniform Division of the Secret Service, the United States Secret Service, and non-uniform division has exclusive jurisdiction to protect the White House. That's the interior of the White House, its property, and the comings and goings of the White House. Now, it's fully plausible, and I do agree, that when they recovered this white substance that obviously probably was field tested with respect to it, Already, they already knew that it was cocaine. It's clear that they would send it probably to the FBI laboratory to for a confirmation. But once that confirmation came back, there's only one or two reasons why then the FBI would continue being involved in this investigation. And and one, the latter uh, would bother me more. But let's talk about the first one: is if the United States Secret Service, uh, through watching the video, determined and developed. Em- information or evidence that one of their own may have been assisting someone bringing in cocaine on a regular basis to maybe service someone who has in habit, then I can understand that the United States Secret Service would elicit or solicit the FBI's assistance in conducting interviews. And the United States Secret Service potentially would say there may be a conflict of interest. So that's very interesting. I thought it was a great point. We know Hunter Biden has an issue. He has a habit. He has a problem. And we also hear that Hunter Biden may possibly be living in the White House. So if he's living in the White House and he has an issue, Hunter Biden isn't going to be the one to go get the cocaine. So who is? Somebody has to bring it to him. This is speculation. It's speculation on my part. It's speculation on the part of this former FBI agent, too. The latter one 
given the landscape and, and certainly after seeing the proceedings today, may be more plausible than not. Under the executive order of 1233, which gives the FBI exclusive jurisdiction and investigative powers to investigate our national security domestically, maybe the United States Secret Service realized, or the FBI realized, if they come on board and now make this a national security investigation, that then cloaks this entire scenario in mm -hmm. secrecy. That means that your freedom of information request and everybody else's request, we will never, ever see the light of day of ever knowing really what happened because the FBI will fall back on a breach of national security and then it is cloaked in secrecy and we will never know really, truly who was responsible for bringing in the cocaine and who ultimately responsible for being in possession of that cocaine. And so just like everything else, this is going to be closed and we are never going to have any answers. That will be the end result of the cocaine in the White House. Hmm. Just like everything else. And we finally get to the part of the hour that may be the most important part of this hour. And I'm glad you're still here to hear this. Because we look back at the 2020 election, so many of us still have questions. Why wouldn't we? We had never seen anything like that before. CISA, which was our cybersecurity experts inside the administration for Donald Trump, if you remember, they said it was the cleanest election in the history of elections, which is hard to believe. But that's what they said, and they said it pretty quickly. Well, our elections have been globalized. The World Economic Forum is involved with our elections, and they do it through partnerships again. If you heard last week's show, you know what I'm talking about. The World Economic Forum is involved in our elections with joint projects with the Global Cyber Alliance, along with many other countries, too. I mentioned that earlier in this hour, that it's not just America. It's a whole lot of countries that the World Economic Forum is in, because remember their goal their goal, stated goal, is one world government. So all of these other countries have to align. And, of course, they want that one world government to be modeled after China. So the World Economic Forum is involved with the Global Cyber Alliance. And this was used in the 2020 election and also in 2022. Our elections are operating under the Global Cyber Alliance. The Center for Internet Security shares an address with the U.S. branch of the Global Cyber Alliance, and we'll get into that. So who are some of the Global Cyber Alliance partners? You're going to recognize some of these names. DHS CISA. They aren't listed as a partner, but they are in some of the videos. CrowdStrike. Ah, CrowdStrike. They're always around. They're everywhere. Former FBI guy, Sean Henry. Remember him from the Russian collusion hoax, spreading information to the New York Times? Well, CrowdStrike is there with election machines and server security. Microsoft is a partner. Are any of these names really surprising you? The Center for Internet Security, Craig Newmark Philanthropies, Central NIC Group PLC. Oh, here's an interesting one. <laughs> TikTok. Chinese-owned TikTok is a part of this alliance. Here's some other companies. You'll probably recognize the name Chertoff Group, the Brennan Center. Yes, that's, that's a very familiar name. 
You, you know that name. And we're going to get into more of that here in just a minute. But there's some more, more names. What about Alvin Bragg? Who's Alvin Bragg? You know, the Manhattan DA that indicted President Donald Trump. Well, he's in there. It's a, it's a whole other web. I brought you a web last week. Here's another spider web of just mass, mass confusion and operation to be involved into our elections. They don't want a repeat of the 2016 election. The 2016 election is where the populace, where the people overwhelmed what they had in mind. They were concerned with paper ballot fraud. They performed election roundtables, tabletop practice exercises, and what they called election dress rehearsals. Let's begin with the Brennan Center and their partnership with Global Cyber Alliance. They were responsible for many election changes and self-appointed responsibility. The Brennan Center did a fantastic job in fortifying the 2020 election with the generous help from Soros Open Society. (laughs) Yep, there's George Soros again. He's always around. Rockefellers, Tides, Soros Foundation. Uh, You know, here we go again. The Brennan Center estimated it would cost at least $4 billion to protect all elections, including primaries, through 2020. And here's what the Brennan Center proudly accomplished. Constant communication with coast-to-coast network of hundreds of election officials. They pushed COVID-19 should be a legitimate excuse to vote by mail. Pushed the purchasing and deployment of centralized vote tabulation machines. That's one thing that Arizona did that was different. Suggested localities deploy drop boxes. Zuckerbucks. Remember Zuckerbucks? He spent $400 million, and part of that money went to deploy these drop boxes. And that reduces the postage costs because people can just drive up and dump their their ballot in the box. Not only that, they can dump a whole lot of ballots in the box, can't they? 2,000 mules. Partnered with the National Association of Secretaries of State, we saw all the rules and the laws being changed with the Secretary of State during the 22, the 20, I keep doing that. It's the 2020 election. For some reason, it comes out 2022. Prioritize protecting the election by countering disinformation, misinformation, and attempts at further suppressing the vote under the pretext of the pandemic. They provided solutions such as where to locate polling sites and how to figure, uh, how to configure them and supply them. They released toolkits for activists in all 50 states. In each toolkit, they identified the voting reforms needed in every state. They worked with local groups in Florida, Georgia, Pennsylvania, and Texas on state-specific voter education and protection efforts. They worked alongside the Center for Tech and Civic Life and National Vote at Home. That, again, is Zuckerbucks. Zuckerberg. The owner, the inventor, I don't know about the inventor, but anyway, he's Facebook. You know who he is. Conducted high-level media briefings, and they even partnered with ABC News. They traveled to Georgia to help election officials conduct and recount the presidential vote. They helped to develop and implement Pennsylvania risk-limiting audits. Remember, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Georgia had the audits after the election. Their attorneys filed or intervened in lawsuits in Michigan. Pennsylvania, and Texas. To quote the Brennan Center on 2020 election, here's what they said, quote, We are pleased to share with you this report on the truly extraordinary year that was, 
as we reflect at the Brennan Center accomplishments in 2020, we can say with great pride and relief that in the end, democracy, that word again, democracy prevailed against brazen assaults on our electoral processes, against lies intended to equate ballot access with stolen elections, and against naked attempts to delegitimize the votes and voices of black and brown people. So that's a little bit about what they have done. And it it just doesn't stop there. It just keeps going on. Because we can add in there the Hamilton 68 crew, because they were involved with the Brennan Center, with election discussions. And also, I brought up the name Chertoff early. Remember Michael Chertoff and the counsel for Hamilton 68? He is on the DHS Disinformation Best Practices and Safeguards Subcommittee. It's, a, it's another big tangled web of deceit that we see there. And, and George Soros, the name is always there. Go back and listen to the program last week if you missed that, because we really exposed some things on there. And there's one more thing in this big tangled web of organizations that I want to point out was the Brennan Center worked with the Center for Tech and Civic Life. That's CTCL. Well, CTCL was mixed up in a lot more than people realize. Try election narratives. Not even election narratives. But we talked about January 6th and the quote insurrection, unquote. We talked about that earlier in this hour. Well, Believe it or not, and it's easy to believe at this point, that there was a global emergency meeting among all of these organizations on January 6th, and they created words to apply to the January 6th individuals that would be arrested for those that were at the Capitol. They created the narrative the day that the insurrection happened. That's how fast and organized that these people work. And now we look at the conservatives and the Republicans and their total lack of organization, their lack of money. They're not in a position to do any of this at any point. And we certainly can't do it if we aren't together, can we? And I want to turn my attention as we end this hour with how we started it. I started it about being unified and the fact that I see that we are really not unified right now. I see more separation. I see more division. And if, if we are going to go forward and we are going to have success in the coming election in 2024, regardless of who that candidate is, I don't want to get into the politics of candidates, but, but I'm seeing a lot of that as well. Just for an example, Trump, DeSantis, There is so much vitriol on social media right now between those two camps and social media influencers that it is uh, starting to concern me as whether we are going to destroy our chances before we ever get there. Do we understand where we are in this country? Do you see things the way I do? Is this country in the balance? Because I've been feeling that way for a while and maybe you do too. If we truly feel that way, if we truly believe that, that socialism has come to this country, that we are living through the highest inflation in 40 years, the highest gas prices, 
that 60% of our people no longer pay income tax. And we look at the cultural things that, that we are fighting against from our children to the trans movement. Is this the time that we want to be divided? Or is this the time that we have to be together? I believe it's time to be together. I always like to point out one person. And let me tell you about one person this week. I happen to be driving down the road and I look over to my right and there's a gentleman standing on the sidewalk and he is smiling from ear to ear and waving at every car. That's all he was doing, but it put a huge smile on my face. And I was glad that that man was standing there waving to put a smile on my face. You're just one person, but you can make a difference. Thanks a lot for joining us here on Our Lives in Politics. My name is Booker Scott, and we'll be back again next week for more revelations and exposing more truth for you. Remember, salt without flavor has no value, but you are the salt of the earth. You were told that over 2,000 years ago. Believe it and be salty. You've been listening to Our Lives in Politics on the America Out Loud Network.